Yes, I sing and I preach. And for my next act, I will juggle chainsaws while filling communion cups. Just kidding. Tom confiscated my chainsaws at the door. <laughs> my name is Brian Tan, and along with my amazing wife, Erica, we serve as teen workers in our awesome teen ministry down here. All right, guys, I need you guys to pay attention, because if I don't see you paying attention, I'm going to take a stage dive, and you have to catch me, okay? So all up here, all up here. So today, uh, I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving, and, and you guys all did that, that mandatory thing where you all go around the table, right, and say, oh, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that, um, I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for food. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that, that we probably, you probably wouldn't hear going around the table. Um, we're going to be talking about suffering. And so today, we're going we're gonna to get a little real here, if that's okay with you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be real with you, and I hope that in, in your seats, in your hearts, you can be real with me, okay? I'm not going to have everyone share what they're going through, but just, just be with me on the same wavelength here. So uh, the interesting thing is, Reese asked me to preach, uh, actually, I was supposed to preach last week, and Reese asked me a few years ago, and I said, I'm not feeling up for it, Reese. So I politely declined. Then he asked me again the next week, uh, Brian, can you preach the week after that then? <laughs> and I was still like, I don't know, Reese. Because, uh, you know, to be, to again, be real with you guys, uh, I've been going through a lot. Eric and I, we've been, we've been struggling, we've been, we've been fighting through a lot of things um, in, in our character. And it's been hard. It's been a struggle. And to be completely honest with you guys, about two weeks ago, I seriously considered leaving God and leaving the church. But the awesome thing about God is His grace. And because of His grace, I stand here before you this morning, and I just want to share a little bit of what I've learned. I'm not out of it yet, but God has, has opened my eyes to a few things, and I see now suffering in, in a different light. And so the, the title of my lesson this morning is Consider It Pure Joy. So if you guys can turn with me uh, in your Bibles to James chapter, two, uh, James chapter 1. So to give you guys a little more detail about, about kind of what I've been going through. Uh, ministry has always been a dream of mine. Being up here, being able to, to help people find God. Being able to counsel and encourage people. And that, that's something that, that in my mind was always, this is the job. That's the career I want. Like, everything else just kind of seemed pointless to me. Not to minimize careers, and, and, you know, I'm sure everyone has the career path that they want to go down. But for me, whenever I was asked, well, what do you want to do with your life, Brian? What, what do you want to major in in college? What do you want to, what do you see yourself doing in 20 years? And I would point up to the pulpit to either Reese or Marty and be like, I want to do that. I want to help people find God. And this was a dream that was implanted in me long, long time ago when I was baptized in the teen ministry. And up to maybe about a few months ago when all this started, uh, it seemed more and more clear, like, all right, this is it. God's, God's leading me up to this point. We're going to get this job, and it's going to be awesome. I'm finally going to be able to realize my dream. I'm going to be able to serve God, and it's going to be great. And then, all of a sudden, everything just came crashing down. Doors were shut. 
And I was told, no. You can imagine if you've ever had a dream and, and that, that build up to where it's like, this is finally going to happen. I can't believe it. You're just so crazy excited. You're in tears like, God, thank you. This is finally going to happen. And then, you know what, Brian? You're not ready. And it, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And on top of that, things just seemed to pile on more and more. You know, we had things with families, things with finances. And it just, it just seemed like it wouldn't end. And I cried out, as I'm sure all of you have at one point. God, what are you doing? Why me? Why all of this? What did I do to you to deserve this? I don't understand. But hopefully today's lesson, as it has helped me, will help you as you go through those points. And if you haven't gone through that suffering yet, it'll come. But I have a video for you. It's not going to be all heavy this morning. (laughs) If my clicker will work. Click. Click. There we go. Our next contestant. Our next contestant hails from Columbus, Georgia. Let's hear it for Dee Westry. Come on out, Dee. is your talent? What will you be performing today? I'm a speed painter and I'm going to do a painting in a minute and a half or less. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's hear it for Dee Westry. Judges for their comments. Wow. 
I gotta say, I thought it was like a weird potato, and I think that's amazing. That's really cool. I tell you something, Dee. We were sat here giving you such a hard time going, this is rubbish, what is it, what's gonna be, he's never gonna do it in time. Fantastic. Yeah, that's really good. Perspective is a funny thing, isn't it? It can change in an instant, and yet it determines how we view everything in the world. For example, uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, I heard that Brussels sprouts were the most disgusting vegetable in the world. And then my wife made me Brussels sprouts, and I was like, what the heck? All these years I wasted not eating Brussels sprouts, and they're delicious. And it was my perspective. My perspective was, well, if everyone else says they're gross, they have to be gross. But my perspective changed, and now I love Brussels sprouts. And like these judges, we can be very quick to judge. When we, when we see something we don't understand, we're like, what is that? It's like some ugly potato. I, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. And we can do the same thing with God. When we look at our lives and things aren't happening exactly the way we want to, when we start suffering, when God introduces a little bit of trial into our life, we can be like, God, what are you doing? What, this ugly potato that, you're, that my life is now? Like, this is not what I want, God. You're making a mistake. Right. You guys in James chapter 1 yet? If you're not, I'm concerned. <laughs> So my first point is refined by fire. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, there is always a reason for our sufferings. There is a design at work. And even though we might not understand it, God's trying to create all of us into these beautiful masterpieces. And we sit in the back, you know, kind of standing there like, God, what was that? That paintbrush stroke going over here? That makes no sense. God, like this, this, this financial struggle right here, why did I lose my job? Why? That makes no sense, God. Why, why does my, my kid have to get sick? Why? There's no possible good that can come from this. And yet God is patient. God says, just wait. I'm sure, you know, as this guy was painting, there were plenty of people murmuring in the crowd, like, what is this guy doing? Like, did they pick, is this like, you know, the American Idols, that, that bad episode where all the people come up and sing and they're not good singers, but they think they are? But he was confident because he knew there was, there was an end to this. And I think we can be confident of that, too. If you think about the reason why we go to the gym, you know, you suffer, right, as you go to the gym? How many of you guys enjoy? I know some of you guys enjoy going to the gym. <laughs> you select few. I do not go, enjoy going to the gym. But I endure suffering because I know there is a purpose to it. I want to be healthy. Now, have any of you guys ever 
started a diet or started a workout program and then found out that you actually gained weight, that's pretty discouraging, right? That's like going through trials. You're going through trials, things go up and down, and it can be very easy in that moment where like, it's not working out the way I want it, so I'm just going to stop. What's the point of going to the gym if I'm not losing weight? I mean, I worked out like twice. I should have dropped 20 pounds by now. <laughs> 40 minutes on the treadmill, come on. Like, what the heck? But God says He desires for us to be mature and complete. I don't care how old you are or how long you've been a disciple, you are not mature and complete yet. Just saying. I'm sorry, Reese. You're not mature and complete yet. I'm glad you're humble enough to admit that. So if you're suffering today, ask yourself, is there something in my character that needs to mature? Is there anything that I'm lacking? Am I, am, is there something that I need to mature in? Because you're not suffering because God was negligent. You're not suffering because God's like, ooh, this is fun, I'm going to take my magnifying glass out and zzz. Just because. I think from the scripture I take the fact that, that God wants us to be better. And that's why we should consider it pure joy. That God looks at us and says, I want you to be the best possible version of yourself that you can be. And it's going to take a little work. But I know you can handle it. Because I made you. And I know you. And secondly, knowing that there's a purpose to it kind of helps. If you were to go exercise in the gym and just for no reason, it would be very easy to quit the day you wake up sore. If, there, if you know, okay, well, there's no reason I'm doing this. I'm just, well, I have nothing else to do with my time. You don't endure hardship just because. But when you know, hey, there's, there's an end in sight. There's a goal to be had here. I'm working towards something. It kind of helps you, right? To buckle down, like for, for high school students, when you see senior year, like there's that diploma, I'm going to be done. And then four more years of school. But then after that, you're done. Unless you decide to take grad school, and then it's two more years, and then you'll be really done, maybe. <laughs> but there's that goal in mind. Like once I attain that, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to be a better person for having gone through that. Next scripture is in Romans chapter 5. And it was funny because as I, as I studied through all of this, and I was putting this lesson together, um, I, was, I talked to a number of people throughout the week. And it was interesting how many people just opened up about what they were struggling with. About how many people were suffering. And I feel like this is something we don't talk about. Because it's not, it's not a pleasant topic to talk about. Yes, I'm suffering. How awesome that is. Like, no. When we suffer, it, it's hard to, to even kind of voice it at times. And that's when bitterness sets in. That's when, when, when it just kind of takes hold of you. And honestly, I feel like that's why sometimes people leave God. Because you don't understand. You don't understand that God's trying to make something of you. God's, God's trying to mold you into something greater. All we see is the pain. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, Paul writes, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. 
Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul calls us to glory in our sufferings. We shouldn't simply just endure them. It's like, alright God, like, go ahead, whatever. I'm just going to do what you need to do. Because otherwise you wouldn't be able to learn. How many times have you been able to learn a lesson effectively with a bad attitude? Really, like, if you had a bad attitude, will you retain the information you've been given? No, because in your mind the whole time you're just sitting there like, this is dumb, I don't like what I'm doing, whatever, I'll just do it because I have to. You don't retain it. So you're not going to learn, really. And so that, because of that, you're going to continue to suffer. It's a process. God has a plan for us to be better, but in order to get there, we need to be refined. You know, the refining process for any kind of precious metal requires to be the metal to be put into a very, very high temperature fire in order for the impurities to be melted out. It's not a pleasant process, but what comes out after that is so much more valuable than what goes in. And I think part of understanding the suffering that we go through is understanding the fact that God wants to refine us. But that process will only happen if we have the attitude of gratitude. Or we look at God and say, you know what, God, I'm grateful that, that you're patient with me. Like Jerry said, I'm grateful that, that even though sometimes I'm going to fight you back on this, that you're patient enough with me to continue, to keep on with me. I was going to reference a scripture in here in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, the Bible is, just has so much to say about this, this topic. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In Psalms chapter 119. Verse 75 through 76. The Bible reads, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Erica actually found this verse, and she shared it with me. I think this is amazing. It says that God afflicted David in faithfulness, not out of spite, not out of negligence. But the fact that God is faithful to us and He desires what's best, even if it's painful. Um, and actually, I was talking with a, a spiritual father figure of mine. Um, he studied the Bible with me as a teenager, and um, you know, I was kind of saw him as my spiritual dad. And a number of years ago, he made some really bad decisions, and he ended up having to suffer the consequences of those decisions. Uh, he ended up being placed in, into jail. He separated from his family and he spent three years in jail. He separated from his wife and his two sons. Recently he was granted parole and now is able to live with his family again. But the amazing thing was, and from what I admire about him is through all of this, he did not lose his faith in God. I called him a few weeks ago, like I shared, you know, when I was at my lowest point. And I asked him, I was like, well, you obviously went through, through a trial. 
I mean, being separated from your family. Obviously, you know, you made a bad decision. But still, the idea of being separated for three years, not seeing your sons grow up, not being able to be with your wife. How did you not lose your faith? How did you not get bitter? And he told me that if God hadn't allowed him to go through all of that, he wouldn't be the husband that he needs to be. He wouldn't be the father that he needed to be. Because prior to all of this, he, didn't, he wasn't grateful for his wife. He wasn't grateful for his kids. It took him all of it being taken away before he could realize what he had. And he shared with me that once he saw that, once he understood what God was trying to do, his attitude changed. His perspective changed. It was no longer, God, why are you punishing me? God, this is unfair. Like, I know I messed up, but is this really an equal punishment? He said, you know what, God, do what you need to do. Because I know that you know what I need. And it became to the point where he was like, why would I even question God? Like, it's like if I'm saying, God, you're making a mistake. Because I know what's best for my life, and I know that I need to be out there doing what I want to do right now. That's really what we're saying. When we complain to God and be like, God, why are you doing this to me? You're really saying, God, I know better what I need in my life than what you need, than what you're going to do in my life. I know better. It's like being mad at your parents for making, them, uh, making you eat your vegetables. They know what's good for you. I sat at the table for like three hours one night because I didn't want to eat a piece of broccoli. You can ask my mom. <laughs> But it's because they understand what I, they understood what I couldn't. They understood that, hey, in order for you to be healthy, you need to eat vegetables. In my mind, I was like, you're being mean and unfair. Trisha got to leave the table and like she gets to do what she wants, but I have to sit here and eat this piece of broccoli. Like, not fair. I hate you, mom. Like, <laughs> sorry. But that's who we are when we question God. When we, when we shake our fists at God and say, God, why are you doing this? We need to understand that God has something for us. Second point, and Reese told me that I need to be done by 11.30. Okay, so I'm going to keep going. Last time I went till 12, and I have to apologize to all of you. I thought you weren't going to have me back again because I went a half hour long. I, for some reason, thought that church ended at 12. Second point is the bigger picture. Uh, so if you can turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45. Most of you guys know the story of Joseph. If you don't, it's an awesome read. Please read it. But the basic story of Joseph is Joseph has these 12 brothers, right? It's 12? 11 brothers? So he's the 12th. Or he's the 12th brother. It's kind of concerning that I don't know that while I'm up here, huh? <laughs> Just cut that from the recording. So, <laughs> Joseph had 11 brothers, and he had these dreams that God had given him about his brothers and his father and mother bowing down to him. And so, like you know, any younger brother would do, he goes and shares this to his brothers, and his brothers aren't very happy about it. Eventually, his brothers decide that they've had enough of him and decide to sell him into slavery. 
He gets sold into slavery, it's taken to Egypt, where he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house, where he quickly becomes, uh, because of his work ethic and you know, his faith in God, he becomes uh, a great, he becomes like a higher servant in Potiphar's house, basically just under Potiphar. So things are going great for Joseph, and then Potiphar's wife decides to seduce him, which, you know, Joseph does his best, and he, he, he doesn't do that, but then he still gets thrown into jail, even though he didn't do anything wrong. After he goes into jail, he interprets dreams for two people. One person gets set free, and then Joseph's like, remember me when you go so that you can help me get out. Guy forgets. Joseph spends more time in prison. Eventually, after all is said and done, Joseph ends up becoming second to Pharaoh. And he interprets Pharaoh's dream and ends up prophesying a famine that's going to happen in the land. And so they, because of they, they know a famine's coming, they stockpile all this food, and, and eventually all the nations are saved because they have this, all this food saved up. The story of Joseph is one of suffering. And it wasn't really his fault. As a child, he was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery by his brothers. From there, even though he was working hard and doing right things, and he refused to sin and commit adultery with Potiphar's wife, still thrown into jail. And even after that, being a great servant in jail, to the point where the jailers trusted him to take care of the other prisoners, he was still forgotten by the friend that he helped and spent more time in jail. So this passage we're going to read is, is at the end when Joseph is talking to his brothers. His brothers come and try to get food, but they don't know that Joseph is the... His brother is the second in command under Pharaoh. So in Genesis chapter 45, Joseph says to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now the Bible doesn't document it, but I'm sure there were times in Joseph's life where he was in prison, and he was like, God, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm trying to be faithful here. I'm trying to do what you commanded me to do. What's, what's going on? But Joseph persevered. He never gave up. He persevered under trial. And the crazy thing is, he couldn't have known. He couldn't have known, sitting in that pit, waiting for his brothers to sell him to, to, into slavery, that however many years down the road, he would end up being second in command to Pharaoh and prophesy this crazy dream and then stockpile all this food so that his brothers would eventually have food to eat. No way. No way he could have like thought that out. Like, okay, this is my plan. My plan is I'm going to be sold into slavery. I'm going to look for a guy named Potiphar. That guy right there. He's going to buy me. And then I'm going to be second in command. Then his wife is going to try to sleep with me, but I'm not going to do it. But he's going to throw me into jail. No way. But you see the effect of his perseverance. It didn't just affect himself. You know, in the first point we talked about God has a plan for us. A plan to make us better. 
But there is also this other side of the coin where, where our, pers- our perseverance through trials and through sufferings has this ripple effect. And, and in the moment, I know it's hard. Two weeks ago, I couldn't see beyond everything that was happening. It was just pain. Pain, more pain, just suffering. I was in this box. I couldn't see more than two feet in front of me because all I felt was suffering. But God calls us to look beyond that. What are you communicating to your coworkers when you suffer? Your spouse, your family, parents. What are you communicating to your kids? When they see you suffer, do they see someone who is enduring it and being joyful about it? Someone who's rejoicing in the fact that God is trying to transform their lives? Or do they see you grumbling, complaining, shaking your fist at God? What does that, what does that teach them? The Bible reads in Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, I didn't turn the scriptures up there, I'm sorry. Well, you guys all have your Bibles, so... You should have all your Bibles, I'm saying. Just because I have this fancy PowerPoint doesn't give you an excuse. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible reads in verse, the second half of verse 1, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured his suffering with joy because he knew what would result from it. He knew that if he went through this, we would be able to have a relationship with him. His suffering and his endurance through that suffering is why we're all sitting here today. Why we are able to look forward to a future in heaven. It's so easy to be caught up in just our life. In just what's going on to us. But God calls us to take a step back. Look at the bigger picture. What can your suffering do for someone else? In Psalm chapter 77. I love this psalm. If you guys ever get a chance to read it it in its entirety. The psalmist starts out just in pain. Crying. He says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. You ever feel like that? And we were just pleading, God, take this away. God, it hurts. I can't, I can't, I can't take this anymore. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Has His unfailing love vanished forever? Has His promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He, in His anger, withheld His compassion? And this is the part I love, because this is where it shifts. 
Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out His right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? The difference in this tone happens when he takes a step back. And he says, you know what? God was faithful in the past. There were times when when I struggled and God was there for me. God saw me through to the end. And this is what I will meditate on. This is where I will draw my faith when I suffer. Because I know God was faithful in the past. Yeah, Eric and I, uh, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary. It's exciting. Uh, right after we got married, I got a job offer. And uh, it was like the first like real job offer I got like out of college. I was making you know way more money than I ever made before. And I was really excited. Like They were like, you can move up in the company, and it's going to be a great career path for you. And three months in, I got fired. <laughs> They told me it wasn't working out. And six months of unemployment later, I found myself spiraling. Again, feeling like, God, what are you doing? Like, I just got married. How how am I supposed to take care of my wife if I don't have a job? And then God answered and gave me a job. A job making $10 an hour with no benefits. And, you know, it was still like, God, like, this isn't very much better. Like, that's how much I was getting with unemployment. Like, this, my friends at McDonald's are making as much as me. I have a degree. A year went by. Still stuck at this job. Though applying for others and being like, God, okay, like, I'm going to be faithful. You're going to give me something better. Nothing. Until finally, about two months ago, one of my clients, uh, that were work- I was working for an IT company. One of my clients, uh, I was busy, you know, I finished servicing their computers and I came back to the, the supervisor and I was like, okay, I'm done. Is there anything that else that you need from me? And she was like, well, no, not unless you know someone who's looking for a job. I was like, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> she looked at me and said, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, like I'm looking for a job. You know, it's a, it's a small um, charter college. They offer like one MBA program. She was like, I will hire you right now. Like, I'm about to send, I was about to send an offer letter to somebody else offering them this job, but if you tell me you want this job, I will give it to you right now. No resume, no interview, you have the job. And I know I would not have gotten this job if I hadn't been working for the IT company to help them, because they had seen me work. And so after this, you know, starting a job with them, I have now have a salaried position. I have all these benefits, and it's a great working environment, and it's, it's an education, which is something that you know, I can get behind. And so God has proven himself faithful. I didn't understand in the moment. <laughs> like, God, like, I'm making $10 an hour. Like, we have to watch everything we spend. We have to, like, okay, well, we can't get that pack of gum because, you know, our grocery budget is, is not going to allow for that. So we're going to have to walk around with stinky breath for... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just how it is. People will have to understand. 
But in the moment, I did not understand. Going through it, I did not understand. I had this, these prayers of, God, why aren't you, take this away, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. Because God has held me through that, now I can use that experience to help me through what I'm going through now. Because as I said, I, I still haven't made it through the end of this tunnel. You know, God just kind of puts you through consecutive tunnels. You get little breaths in between, but God's always trying to refine us, amen? But remembering the past and how God was faithful helps keep me anchored. And so I have a few practicals for you guys. I like practicals. So, first practical. If you are suffering and you aren't sure why, pray about it. Ask God to show you what He's trying to accomplish. You never know, He might answer. If that doesn't work, ask someone close to you if they can see an area in your life where you need to mature. That might be a hard conversation, but you know, take it like a man or a woman. Finally, take some time this week and write down times in the past where God has been faithful to you. Go over it daily, especially if you are suffering. If you know that God has been faithful to you in the past, why wouldn't He be faithful to you now? God has proven His love to you in the past. Why wouldn't He now? In closing, I just want to go back to the scripture we started with. Consider it pure joy. Brothers and sisters, let us consider it pure joy. Whenever we face trials of many kinds. Because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that we may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we are so grateful. God, we are so grateful that you are never finished with us. God, that you see us and and, and you want us to be better. God, that you, you don't want us to be content with where we are. Father, but you see greatness in us. Father, I pray that as we go through suffering, I know it's hard. God, it's it's difficult. Father, we cry. We cry out to you. We cry with each other. Father, but we know that you're trying to do something great. I pray that, that you give us an extra dose of mercy. Father, as we try to figure out what you're doing with our lives. God, that we trust in you. And know, no matter what, you love us and you're doing what is best for us. God, I pray that we can remember you're trying to refine us. You're trying to make us better every day. God, and I pray that we remember that there is a bigger picture. That you have a plan, not just for us, but for those around us. And that if we can just persevere, you are going to do amazing things. God, I pray that our perspective has been changed this morning. That we can be thankful not just for the amazing blessings of family and friends and and food and success, Father, but we can also be grateful and thankful for the opportunity to suffer and to persevere. God, I love you so much. Thank you for this opportunity.
to listen to your word. I pray that we are better for it. Pray this in your Sunday in Jesus Christ. Amen.